Our second reading today is from the book of Genesis, chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. And if you are here in the sanctuary, it's on page 13 of the Old Testament section of the Pew Bible. So I invite you to hear the word of God. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, my Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is your wife Sarah? And he said, they're in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age, and it had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I be fruitful? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? And say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, yes, you did laugh. This is the word of the Lord given for the people. trying out my setup here and not sure what I'm going to like, so bear with me. I invite you to pray with me. Lord, settle our very busy minds and open our hearts so that each one of us may hear what it is you have to say to us wherever it is that we sit today or wherever it is that we are when we actually hear this service and participate that way. As always, I pray that my words would be your words. Amen. So today is one of my very favorite Bible stories, and I'm going to give you an alert that you will get used to hearing me say that. Probably within a month you'll be like, Haven't she, well, I thought that was her last favorite one last week. But today is indeed one of my all-time favorites. And partly because it may leave us with as many questions as answers, but mainly because I find it so reassuring, accepting, and comforting. 
But I think it's important first that we look back a bit and refresh our memories. So Abraham and Sarah are now 99 and 90 years old. You might say they're getting up there. This is chapter 18, and way back in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis, God called Abraham to up and leave his family and move to parts unknown, and faithful Abraham did just that. Now, lots of crazy soap opera sort of stuff happened to them along the road to where we find them today, by the trees of Mamre. Mamre was a very important spot for Abraham and Sarah. You might say it was their own holy ground. Abraham built an altar to God here at one point, and eventually, in the first real estate transaction recorded in the Bible, he will buy a burial plot for Sarah when she dies right in this place. So it's a very important spot for this family. Now, at 90 and 99 years old, surprise, surprise, Sarah and Abraham have no children of their own. Years before this, God promised Abraham that he would be the father of nations, that his descendants would outnumber the stars in the skies and the grains of sand on the beaches. But guess what? That promise had been made more than 25 years before. And so we might not be surprised that eventually, Abraham and Sarah began to wonder about the validity of that promise. They began to doubt that God could or would make good on the promise without their help. They began to think that they should take matters into their own hands, and they did, and eventually Abraham had a son with Sarah's maid, Hagar. That son was Ishmael, who would become the father of Islam. That part of the story didn't end too well for Hagar, but that's sometimes what happens when we think we know better than God, when we decide we've waited long enough and we charge ahead with our own plans. Now, Abraham was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. By the time he is 99, he and Sarah themselves remain childless, but they believe that the promise has been fulfilled through Ishmael. But God, of course, has other plans. This son that this promise rests upon must come through Sarah. This son that God has in mind is Sarah and Abraham's son. And God tells Abraham this in the previous chapter and wraps it all up in an everlasting covenant, exact words, that includes as many descendants as the stars in the sky and land as far as the eye can see for all those descendants to live upon. And then that brings us to today's story. A promise made three times that really still has not shown any sign of materializing in more than 25 years. So it's the heat of the day when these three visitors arrive at Abraham's tent, and we, the reader, the listener, are told right away that it is the Lord that has appeared. Does Abraham know this? Is he aware that this is the Lord, God? Well, we cannot say for sure at the beginning of the story what he knows. But he springs into action to greet them in the expected patterns of hospitality of the day. Strangers on the road with, were treated with great care because it was a very dangerous task to be traveling in those days. So travelers could expect to be greeted warmly, given water to wash up, some food to sustain themselves, and if need be, 
a place to sleep for the night. So Abraham's reactions to these visitors is the expected reaction. He runs to them, invites them in for a little water, a little bread, but in actuality, he provides them with much more, an extravagant feast of the finest offering. In my favorite part, because I'm a baker, he instructs Sarah to make bread using three measures of the finest flour. Now, this is not King Arthur flour that Sarah ran to the jewel for. This is grain that she has ground and ground and ground into the finest flour. It represents a lot of work on her part. And three measures, that's 30 cups of the finest flour. Any bakers in here, bread bakers? 30 cups would make 10 to 12 loaves of bread. I kind of think that's a lot of bread for three visitors. Just saying. And then there is the tender and good veal and the choice butter that comes from curds and milk to go with all that warm bread. It is a feast for sure. It is an extravagant, abundant, overflowing expression of hospitality. Today we might call it radical hospitality. It is also a sign of Abraham's good character. It gives us an insight into why God might have chosen this man and his wife for the promise that has been made. They go above and beyond the call. Now, while the visitors dine on this gourmet meal, they inquire where Sarah is. Hmm. How do they know Sarah's name? Is this where Abraham might begin to suspect these are just not your ordinary travelers on the road? If he hasn't up, understood up to this point, it's about to get very real. Because not only do they know his wife's name, they know the promise. The promise of the son from Sarah is reiterated by them. And now, for the first time, with a specific time frame next year, by now, Abraham Shirley is on to the true identity of these visitors. And Sarah? Well, this is actually the very first time that Sarah hears the promise directly with her own ears. Here's her part in all of this grand plan of God's. And she laughs. And can we blame her? She's 90 years old. Does this sound at all plausible to her or to us? And does she really want to start the diaper service and losing sleep at night and washing all those bottles at her age? And I think there might be some cynicism in that laughter. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> We've heard this all before. This promise has been made and made and made. So what's so different this time? Why in the world should we believe this time? They are growing weary of hearing about this promise. And that's where I find myself entering this story today. I am weary. I am weary of the pandemic, of the divisiveness of our culture, of the empty promises of all the politicians. And maybe you are weary as well. The doctors seem to tell us with each new variant of COVID that it's milder or not. It's less contagious or not. The vaccines work or maybe not. If we wear our masks and wash our hands, all will be well until some new variant sneaks around the corner. 
And then I got to thinking that maybe some of you here at Western Springs are also a bit weary or at least wondering about all the changes in leadership you've had in such a short amount of time. Eric came, and then the pandemic hit. Lottie came, and then her life changed, and she was called away. And then Eric's life changed, and he ended up being called elsewhere. And I wonder if some of you might feel like you're in a blender and somebody keeps hitting the pulse button. You think that things have settled into a pattern for the future. You think you know what lies ahead and where you're going. And then out of nowhere, something changes. So maybe there's some weariness with all that change here at Western Springs. Maybe there's some wondering what God's plan really is for Western Springs. Maybe there's even some wondering if God will make good on God's promises here at Western Springs. But if we look at the story of Abraham and Sarah, perhaps we can find some comfort for our weariness. Tired of waiting for the pandemic to truly end? Well, we can recall how long Abraham and Sarah waited on a promise that seemed impossible even from the first moment it was uttered. Feeling perhaps like every time the congregation sets into a new path in the last five or six years, it hits a roadblock? Well, we can recall all the twists and turns that this dear old couple encountered over the years as they thought they understood God's plan for them, only to be repeatedly pulled back to square one by God. There is a faithfulness as well as a broken humanity that show up in both Abraham and Sarah. Their attempts to make the promise come true in their own way assure all of us that we may stumble and fall, we may miss the mark, we may veer off course from God's true desires, but God's plans will not be thwarted by our humanity. Yes, God invites us into the work of the world, and God allows all of our bumblings and missteps in that work because God's final dreams cannot be thwarted. Which says to me, we may have hit a few bumps in the road here at Western Springs over the last handful of years, but God has great dreams for this congregation, and those dreams cannot be stopped. In fact, it may be that all this change is part of God's plan. Now, if you're like me, we often don't like that sort of talk. But I invite you to maybe think of a time in your life that might have been difficult or distressing, a time that you just wish life was going differently. Once you made it through that patch, did you ever look back and consider that the difficulty was part of what allowed you to land where you did? Personally, I am not too fond of those teaching moments when they happen in my life. But I do know by now that I would not be where I am today as a person, as a pastor, as a preacher, without those hills that seemed insurmountable or those valleys that seemed so dark and lonely at the time. Because God has this amazing way of weaving all those experiences together for good if we let God. Now, I've only been with you one short week, but let me share what I see so far. A vibrant, loving, committed community. 
a place of deep roots for some and broad welcome for those who have recently walked through the doors. An appreciation for children and teens that is reflected in an intentional plan of staffing that uses both members and hired staff. A community that is hungry to learn. Weekly book groups and Bible studies that continued to meet despite a pandemic, despite the lack of a pastor. In short, I see a place where the Holy Spirit is very busy. A place where God's love and life shine through. And so while some might wonder, why have we experienced all this turnover? I assure you that my sense is that God's dreams are well and alive here and that God's promises for you will not be stopped in their tracks. It just may take a bit longer, like it took Abraham and Sarah. So here we are now together in this transitional time. My role with you is to listen, to ask a lot of questions, to help you discern, just means figure out, what God's plans might be for the next chapter. What is needed in your next installed pastor? What gifts, skills, passions, and dreams should they bring for you as their spiritual leader? How long is this going to take? Well, we don't know, right? We can look at Abraham and Sarah's story, and I will tell you I'm pretty sure it won't take that long. But we will follow God's lead together. We will listen to God's whispers together on this part of your journey. And remember, I am only here for a short piece of your story. My time with you will be guided by the Spirit's guidance we will not form a PNC, which is Presbyterian speak for pastor nominating committee, search committee. We won't do that right away, but the Spirit will let us know when it is time. And then we will wait for God to bring together that search team and that pastor that I know God is preparing right now for you. And then I will say goodbye to you as you welcome that new person. So I've brought something today to help us all keep some of this in mind. Anybody know what this is? Can you see this if I come out here? Any Irish folks in this western suburb know what this might be called? This is a shillelagh that was handmade actually by Scott's brother. A shillelagh is an Irish walking stick indeed. And I am going to leave this. I'm going to find a good place. Maybe I'm going to leave it here. And this is going to sit here. Maybe. We'll find a good place for it. This is going to sit here the whole time that I am with you. And that is so that it will remind all of us, number one, of the temporary nature of my time here. But also to remind us what a walking stick does. It aids us. On our journey. It helps us maneuver the bumps on the trail. It gives us some stability when we might feel wobbly. And my deep hope is that this is what I will provide to all of you, stability in this time of change, support over any of the bumpiness you might be experiencing, an aid to you in this time of transition, a walking stick to get you from point A to point B on your journey. 
God's timing is not often our timing, at least for me. And I struggle mightily with accepting God's timing. But today's story always reminds me that I am not alone in that struggle as Abraham and Sarah... I promise not to drop it while I'm walking with you. (laughs) But Abraham and Sarah also struggled with waiting, and that gives me comfort. So today's story reminds me that I am as human as Abraham and Sarah and as loved by God as Abraham and Sarah. Today's story reminds me that God's promises are eternal and God's promises are always for life to bring life. And so in God's good time, the pandemic will truly end. Western Springs will find a new pastor to install and partner with, and I will pick up that shillelagh and move on from this place. And in the meantime, we will have a lot of fun together. We will laugh and cry together. We will wonder and question together. In short, we will be the church together. I am so very excited to be here with you, and I invite you to cling to this story of Abraham and Sarah over the next many months to recall always God's commitment to them on God's terms, and to remember that while Sarah may have laughed in disbelief at this promise she heard, God takes that disbelief of hers and turns it into genuine joy in the bundle of a baby named Isaac. While she laughs into the impossibility and the weariness of the situation, God does not forget. God does not abandon. Indeed, God delivers on God's promises always, just on God's time. Amen.